Well, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of uh, your group tonight. I did not get to go to the cool parties when I was in high school. Shocker, right? But every time I get invited to group, it feels like a, you know, God's given me a redo here. Like I get to go to the cool, to the cool party. I'm so grateful for, for Ryan and Zach and Hannah, just their constant leadership of this. And it seems like every time I come, like so many new faces, so many more chairs, which is just indicative of what um, God is doing through you guys. And so, uh, so, so excited our church gets to be a teeny tiny part of what God's doing uh, in your life. So you guys up for a story? Can I tell you a story? Okay. Um, a couple of years ago, I got invited to uh, do a graveside service. That's ministerial talk for like a, a not so cool funeral. Um, a graveside is like in the huddle and the quarterback says, we're going to run a post route. All right. So it, so graveside is when, um, you forego the, the, the funeral home chapel, you forego the church and you just huddle everybody up underneath one little tent and you do everything that you're going to do in that moment. Um, and then you walk away. So, so I'm at this graveside service. Um, it's for, a, a, a wonderful godly grandmother so we gather to say our goodbyes to this dear saint of God. I, uh, I do what you do when you're a pastor and you're at the graveside service. I, um, I talked about the hope that we have in Jesus. Uh, I talked about the reality of there being more to life than just this life. I read the 23rd Psalm. I prayed. And typically, when you're doing a graveside service, after the pastor prays, the uh, funeral director, real deal, wouldn't recommend that job unless you just have a bend towards dead things. Uh, the funeral director comes up and he will say a few words, like parting words, to the family. So this happens. I say the prayer. I look over at this guy. He comes over and um, he says a few words, but they're not parting words. In fact, what he says is um, this concludes this portion of the service and now at this time, we're going to sit in a moment of silence as Mrs. Grandma is um, being lowered to her final resting place. I was like, are you kidding me? I've never seen this ever before. They, the family, was going to watch at, as this casket was lowered down into the grave. So I took Donnie McCann, our other associate pastor who was here just a couple of weeks ago. Donnie has a great sense of humor. And I'm standing there trying to pretend like I know what I'm doing. And I look over at Donnie, and he's like, what, what is going on? I said, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't know. We bowed our heads, and we kind of waited. This big white truck pulls up. Six guys get out of the truck. Uh, they come over to um, remove the skirting around the casket. Did you know it is held up by these big, huge straps? I did not know that. I was like, whoa, that's kind of cool. Um, so they come over. They undo a couple things. They flip a switch. And sure enough, I mean, just like they had intended for it to work, the casket starts being lowered down into the grave. And the family is sitting there very somberly watching as grandmother goes to her final resting place. All of a sudden... There's this loud, loud screeching noise and a pop. The strap breaks and the casket drops down into the hole. Now, I didn't see it, but I could gauge by the looks of the faces of the guys who were standing near that particular hole 
that it did not land like it was supposed to land. So they are looking at each other like, this, it, it, this is not good. Two of them talk in a different language, and then they go and grab some two-by-fours out of the back of the truck. Eight-foot two-by-fours, four of them, these guys like start wedging this in and trying to get the casket uh, back upright. In the meantime, the family is over here, and they're like sobbing. Oh, Grandma, Grandma. <laughs> I got it on pretty good word. She's okay. Like, it's all right. But I was thinking, like, is this thing open? Is she, like, half in, half out? Is it, is it like, on in? So we sat there. I try not to laugh. Forgive me. For 15 minutes or so while they pry this thing back and forth uh, to, to finally get it where it's supposed to be in the, in the grave. And the reason I tell you this stupid story is because... I've seen life go bad for a lot of people. Like, just like a, 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 a casket that tumbles down into the grave, when life goes bad, it always feels random. Like this sense of, I did not expect that to happen, or why is this happening to me? I did not see that, see that coming. But what I'm telling you tonight is, maybe the old guy in the room, is that what I've observed is that it's seldom as random as we make it out to be. Tonight, I want to talk to you about the why of all of that. So you guys have been studying the New Testament book of Galatians, this letter written by the Apostle Paul somewhere between 48 and 56 AD, depending on where you get your information from, which camp you talk to. And you know that the reason Paul wrote this letter was because he wanted to root out this sense of legalism that was starting to work its way back into the hearts of these Christians in the city of Galatia. And the purpose was, not only did he want to root out the legalism that was working its way in, but he didn't want these Christians to miss out on the freedom that we have as followers of Jesus Christ. And so tonight, as we get to chapter 6... Paul rounds this whole thing out by giving us this little bitty nugget of what I think is maybe the most practical advice in all of the Bible. And we're going to read it in just a second, but I want you to know before we read it, the thing that is at stake is the thing that, according to Paul, has been at stake from the very beginning. It's my freedom, and it's your freedom that's found in Christ. So if you have a Bible or you want to pull one up on your phone and follow along tonight, you can do that in the New Testament book of Galatians, um, Galatians chapter 6. In fact, if you're kind of new to Bible study, you may just want to start at the very end where the maps are and kind of work your way back. It's, you know, seven-eighths all the way through um, the Bible. What we're going to talk about tonight is a principle that God set into motion from the very beginning. The amazing thing is this principle, much like a meteorologist at the 6 and 10 o'clock news, will use weather patterns to predict what our weather is going to be Monday through Sunday. This principle dictates so much of the what, the why, and the how of life for me um, and for you. So let's look at this together. I, I want to pick out just a handful of verses here. We're going to start in verse 7. Here's what Paul writes. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. 
Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Here's the big idea I want to leave you with tonight. Since I get to stand here, I guess, in Ryan's place or Zach's place, I feel like I have to give you a thread. So here's the thing I want you to remember. Okay, you ready? The seeds we sow determine the direction we grow. The seeds we sow determine the direction we grow. Can we just say that together for fun? The seeds we sow determine the direction we grow. Now, Paul points out two directions that we can sow and grow here. He says that you can sow and grow to the flesh, or you can sow and grow to the spirit. We have a couple options. The seed we sow determines the direction we grow. You know what he's saying? He's saying, like, there's a sense of connectivity to life. That where you are right here in this room today, whether you love your circumstances, you, you can't wait to get out of your current circumstances, whether you love the relationships that you're in, you, you're looking for a way out of the relationships that you're in. Where you are today is almost directly related to the seeds that you have planted in your yesterdays. The, the seeds we sow determines the direction that we grow. So Paul explains this for us. He, he begins by saying, uh, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. If you're reading for the, from the King James, it says God is not mocked. This verb in the original language of Scripture is like a, a present tense kind of thing. It, it's the idea that while you and I are in the process of living life by our own standard, doing things our own way, making decisions, how we feel like decisions could we, should be made. While we sometimes um, live and, 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 and journey through life circumventing the, the laws of God, Paul says, hey, heads up, just remember, God is not, cannot, be mocked. This, this word mocked, it gives this word picture of, of turning your nose up in the air as if, as if something smells. So Paul's saying, hey, heads up. We don't break God's laws. We break ourselves. We break our joy, our sense of pride, our sense of contentment against God's laws. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And then he gives us this principle. He says, Whatever a man sows, he'll also reap. How many of you heard that before? All right. I mean, it's like, man, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. But, yeah, I saw that on a T-shirt or a bumper sticker. Whatever a man sows, um, that's what he's going to reap. That's probably not new information to any of us in this room. But I think every one of us, me included, could all look back on times and seasons of our life where we go, okay, so there's a difference between knowing that and living our life according to it, right? Like It's like paint. It's no good until it's applied. So Tim Keller, when he talks about Galatians chapter 6, Tim Keller says this principle of sowing and reaping is one of the absolute principles of Scripture. He says that we find this idea um, mentioned no less than 66 times throughout Scripture. In fact, this idea, what you um, so you're going to reap is the idea that underlies the entire book of Proverbs, which we refer to 
as the book of wisdom. Now, I like this because I'm a pretty simple dude. I grew up in East Texas. I'm, life is not complicated um, for me, or at least I don't process complicated things. But, but here's what God does. God takes something that's everyday ordinary for us. He takes seeds and plants, and he paints a picture of life for us. So follow along with me. Like, this is elementary. But, but if I brought today uh, some apple seeds, and I said, hey, I'm going to put these things in the ground. We're going we're gonna to water. We're going to give sunlight. It's going to grow. What do you think that's going to produce? Like, help me out. Apples. Yeah. It's like, duh. Same thing. We're watermelon seeds. Um, we're not swallowing them, but we're going to plant them in the ground. We're going to water them. What, what do we expect? Well, we'd say, well, I expect that one day we're going to have watermelons. Like, it would be ridiculous for us to plant apple seeds and think, well, somewhere down the line, I bet we're going to get some watermelon. Nobody's going to argue about that. And yet, isn't it true? Every one of us has an area, some of us, an entire season of life where we lived as if this weren't true. And I don't know what your struggle is, but the question I ask myself is like, why do I, why do, I do that? And I can't answer for you, but for me, it kind of looks like sometimes I, I look at the seed that I'm holding in my hand and I go, hmm, it's not really all that bad. Right? It like takes me back to the garden as if Satan is going, did God really say? And I wrestle with, hmm. And so, and so I began to pursue something that in the end is, is going to work against me, what I ultimately want for life, and, and certainly what God wants for my life. This is why Paul begins by saying, do not be deceived. So here's what I want to do with a few minutes we have left. I want to give you three ideas related to this principle of sowing and reaping. Three ideas that I think you can run through your filter of opportunity. Uh, you can run through uh, your filter of occupation. You could run through the filter of your relationships and ultimately your relationship with God. And, and here's my prayer for you before I ever even walked into this room tonight. Like, I can't help but believe, man, there's so many of you that some of you are sitting here tonight and you're on the verge of, of potentially making some really life-altering decisions. We'll get to verse 9 in, in just a minute, but, but this sense of like, you've done right, you've done well, you've done good, you've planted good seed for a long time, and it just is not feeling really good anymore. In fact, it just feels so predictable. You kind of feel bored. You're kind of getting left out of some circles. My prayer is that what God has to say tonight through Galatians chapter 6 will cause the caution light of your heart to come on, and you'll consult him again before you venture off into God-forbidden territory. Three ideas. The first one is this, this principle of sowing and reaping. This principle is all-inclusive. It's all-inclusive. Now I'm going to give you a Bible lecture here, but in the, in the original language of Scripture, in, in New Testament Greek, they didn't have a way to uh, bold or italicize a word. You know, so when we want something that we want to stand out in an email, we say, oh, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to underline that. I'm going to highlight that. They didn't have a way to do it. So what they did, whenever they wanted to stress importance, is they would take this word and they would put it all the way up to the beginning of the sentence. And it would be the first word of the sentence. And that, in the structure, says, this is important. The first word in this sentence is the word whatever. Whatever. The idea is whatever seed we sow. Whatever seed we sow with our mind mentally, whatever seed we sow relationally, 
whatever seed we sow educationally or, or in regards to our health, whatever, whatever, whatever seed we sow is destined to one day pop up in rows as a crop in our life. Here's the thing. Sometimes we look out at the crop that's on the horizon and we go, wow, that doesn't look so good. And my inclination is to immediately turn my face to heaven and say, like, God, what are you doing to me? And don't get me wrong, like, there are times that God, in his wisdom, in his sovereignty, he just does stuff that has no explanation at all. He's God. He has every right to do that. But there are oftentimes um, some very plausible, very tangible explanations to the crop that we see growing in front of us. That's why Paul gives us this reminder. He says, don't be deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever seed you put into the ground, it's going to come up. This principle is all-inclusive. The second thing I want you to know about this principle is this principle functions regardless of intention or understanding. Now, just imagine with me. Imagine there's a farmer who wanted to plant corn. Anybody ever planted corn? Just check it. Okay, well, we got one corn planter, so you can, I, I've never done it, so I'm probably going to get this wrong, but just say, make believe world, there's a farmer who wants to plant corn, but he, it's early, he wakes up early, he goes out to the shed to pull out the bag of corn seed, and, and instead of getting it, he, he, you know, it's dark, and he grabs cotton seed instead, and he loads his machine with cotton seed. Now, we would say, when that crop comes up, this farmer is going to have what? He's going to have cotton. And his intention would have nothing to do with it. Like he could say all day long, oh, no, 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 you see, but I intended to plant corn. His intentions are irrelevant. Did you know it wasn't until 1966 that we started putting warning labels on the side of cigarette packages? 1966. Do you know what cigarettes did to people before 1966? They did the exact same thing that they've been doing to people for the last 63 years since we put that warning label on the side of the packet. They destroy the human body. And the people before 1966 could say, well, look, I didn't know. I mean, I was completely unaware. I had no idea what uh, cigarette smoke and nicotine could do to my lungs, could do to my throat, could do to my heart. But it does the exact same thing as those who read the warning, who heed the warning, those who read the warning and ignore the warning. Intention is irrelevant. This is one of the reasons why it's so important that uh, you stay in constant connectivity with God, with his word, and in community like this with his people. Because if you unintentionally sow bad seed in your life, it's going to produce a bad crop. And, and again, we're all going to be tempted to call the justice of God into question, like, God, what, what, like, what are you doing? I mean, I, I, I was so young. I didn't know. I had no, I've never read the Bible before in my life. Like, certainly you're not going to hold me accountable um, to this. Like, we want God to give us a, the proverbial get out of jail free card, right? But it doesn't happen. And the thing that we often miss in, those, in, the, in that interaction is the, the part of the equation that 
that just wreaks havoc on us all the time. And, and that's this little four-letter four word, time, T-I-M-E. Like, have you ever done something before that somebody told you not to do? Like, well, that's dangerous. Don't do that. It's bad for your health. And you do it. And in the immediate sense, it's like, well, that didn't hurt a thing. Like, there was absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. And so we start to think, well, the person who told me that, maybe they were wrong. When it comes to um, God's design for us and the way we live, his instructions, sometimes we think, well, maybe, maybe my community group leader, my small group leader, maybe they, were, maybe they were wrong. Maybe the Bible was wrong. Maybe they interpreted it wrong. Maybe, maybe God was wrong because not only does, does this seem to not produce any negative consequences in my life, but, I mean, life is pretty smoking hot right now. Like, this is pretty dang awesome. I don't want to miss out on any of this. And the thing that we're missing in the entire equation of sowing and reaping is time. It's like if I left here tonight and I said, you know what, I'm gonna, I love Longhorn Cafe. Uh, I try to stay away from that place because their cheeseburger, cheeseburgers are just amazing. But if I went to Longhorn Cafe and I said, you know what, give me three of those cheeseburger baskets and, and load them up with tater tots on the side. I want all of that. And I'm going to drown that and catch up like I always do. And, and I'm going to eat this. It, was, it would be as if I ate all three of those baskets. And then I said, doctors are wrong. I mean, I feel fine. My cholesterol is amazing right now. I don't, who says eating a burger is bad for you? Or think about it in the positive light. Like, you ever start a new exercise routine? You work out, you know, you wake up early, you set your alarm, you get up, you got your playlist of music, and you, whether you're running or you're hitting the gym, whatever it is for you, come January 2nd or January 3rd, you spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes or, or 60 minutes doing your thing, and then what do we do? The first thing we do is we go look in the mirror, you know. Guys, I don't know what girls do, but guys, like, you, you raise your shirt up, and you're like, bro, like, you try to tighten it up, and, you, and we're tempted to think, well, I just spent 60 minutes of my life, and that didn't do a thing. I'm not skinnier. My abs aren't sleek or sexy. I mean, that's nothing. And to both of those equations, you would say, oh, well, here's the deal. Just give it time. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, don't, you don't put seed in the ground today and expect to come and pick fruit tomorrow. We would say, that's, that's impossible. Nobody does that. He says, yeah, but don't do that with your decisions either. And I know this sounds like completely in the negative, but here's what I'm telling you. When you understand this principle, you will understand that this principle is meant to work for your good. It's not just to, meant to keep you away from, from bad things, but to, but to put us in a place of freedom where we can enjoy the good things that God has set before us. This principle is all-inclusive. This principle functions regardless of intention or understanding. And, th and then the last thing is this. This principle functions regardless of your spiritual condition. And here's what I mean. We all know people who had, um, have made some poor decisions in life, and uh, they've Either God was irrelevant to them or they just completely ignored him, his word, his people. You know, no time for that. And they look up one day and all of a sudden the crop of consequences that stands before them is like, oh, my goodness. Somebody tells them, hey, well, you know what? There's forgiveness found in Christ. Man, there's repentance. There's hope found in Jesus. And they go, oh, I, 
what I have done has not turned out so well, so yes, give me that. And so they turn their life around. They repent. They turn to Christ. They receive salvation for their souls. They start to do things they'd never done before. They're like going to church and going to small group and, and, and standing on a Sunday morning shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of people and, and singing out loud. It's like, what other environment do we do that sober Church is kind of the only place, but people do this stuff. And, and so they're singing. It's like, man, I'm a brand new person. And all of a sudden, the crop of consequences, it, it starts to become really real in their life. And it's like, well, hold on just a second. Because, like, I asked Jesus for forgiveness of my sin. Like, I shouldn't have to deal with this stuff, right? Like, my life before Jesus, I mean, it wasn't great. But this right here, I mean, this shouldn't happen to a follower of Christ. But listen to me. What we sow sometimes as a non-Christian, we may reap as a Christian. What you sow before your days of following Jesus, you may reap after you committed your life to Christ, which poses a problem for us. It's a theological problem because it centers around forgiveness. See, there's something in me, and I'm guessing there's something in you that wants to believe that, that, that forgiveness means all our earthly consequences are totally erased once we've been forgiven by God. We view it as a continuum where, you know, like forgiveness is on this end of the spectrum, and over here is consequences. And the closer I get to forgiveness, the further and further and further away I remove myself from consequences. Or if I feel the consequences of my sin of my past decisions, then it makes us go, like, am I really forgiven? But you know what Scripture tells us over and over again? That forgiveness and consequences can exist in full measure at the exact same time. That you can be 100% completely forgiven of your sin and 100% live with the weight of your previous choices. Forgiveness is relational. Our consequences are circumstantial. Luke tells us about this. Luke, the gospel writer, he tells us in Luke 23 that when Jesus was hanging on a cross that um, the Romans hung him between two, two criminals. You remember this story? One of the criminals turned to Jesus and gives him the, like, dude, who, you, you say you're God. Like, why don't you get off this cross? Why don't you tell him, like, send your angels and come to the rescue? And the other criminal kind of chimes in at Jesus' defense, and he says, like, hold on. Don't you know who you're talking to? And he looks over at Jesus, and he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now, if we wrote the rest of that story, at that moment there would be smoke in the air, a little fairy would appear, and this guy would magically come down from the cross. He would dance away back to his hometown, and for the next 35 years of his life, he would tell people of the day that he met Jesus face to face, and his life's been better for it. But you know what happened to this man who hung on the cross? What really happened to him after Jesus told him, today you'll be with me in paradise? He hung there until he died. 100% forgiven, feeling the full weight of the consequences of his choices. So here's what Jesus says to us. At the cross, he said, look, I am going to take the 
biggest sting of your sin, which is separation from God. He said, I'm going to bear this. But the struggle that comes from it, you might have to live with that. Maybe for the rest of your life. And we're tempted, I know I am, to raise a hand and cry foul. You know, like, oh, that's not right. Like, if you're almighty, if you're all powerful, take this away. But isn't it true that sometimes it's the pain, it's remembering what that did to us relationally, what it did to us uh, educationally, got kicked out of school, freshman year of college, like what that did to us that draws us in to the grace of God and sort of purposes in our heart to never go back there again. The seed you sow determines the direction you grow. So the Apostle Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. Well, why would he say that? Don't grow tired of doing good. Because we grow tired of doing good. He's saying, I'm telling you, don't grow tired of doing good. And we would say, well, why, Paul? He says, for at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And it's like, okay, so are you talking like right here, right now? Like, can I get that? You're like, right here, right now, I'm going to reap something? Or are you saying like one day in the sweet by and by when the roll is called up yonder and I'll be there? Is that what you're talking about? I think the answer is yes to both. Like, yeah, maybe right here, right now, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. But certainly, in the presence of our Lord, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. The seed you sow determines the direction that you grow. That being said, let me ask the question. Where are you sowing? your seed? Are you sowing to grow to the flesh? Are you sowing to grow to the spirit? Are you sowing to grow to the flesh? And Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. He says, and from the flesh, like we will reap death and destruction. Or are you sowing to the spirit, surrendered to him, to his direction in your life daily? And from the spirit, reaping life, Life full, abundant, free, right here, right now. The kind of life that God has designed for you to live. The kind of life that allows you and I to run this race, to break through the tape at the end with great joy, minimal regrets, a life full of freedom. God's given us a choice. Today, I just plead with you. As somebody who's lived a little bit longer, who's made some horrible decisions in the past, who fights sometimes with my own flesh to, to not go back there, I'm telling you, sow to the Spirit. Sow to the Spirit. You won't regret it. Would you pray with me? God, we're so grateful that um, you give us grace and with your grace, you've given us your word. You've given us your instruction. Um, we weigh ourselves against this. And God, I pray for these men and women who sit in this room that that wouldn't just be a Sunday thing and it wouldn't just be a Tuesday thing. Um, but God, it, it, would, it would be the stirring of their heart for every day of their life. 
And God, that by your spirit, we would be led, we would live and move and have our being. We would make our choices and decisions all under the umbrella of what is it that you want us to do, that we would live with our hands open and our eyes open and our hearts full of you, knowing that this world offers so much, but our ultimate satisfaction is found only 